This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. Amen. All right, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for bringing us here tonight. Thank you for granting us another time together, time of worship, study. Lord, uh, thank you uh, people are willing to come, gather together in your name. We ask that you uh, bless uh, in that uh, you would grant us understanding of your word. I ask that you enable me to speak the message you would have delivered, open all of our ears to hear. Lord, grant. In all churches where uh, people are seeking to faithfully present your word and represent you, Lord, we pray that you would grant uh, that it be so. Enable us to teach the truth, believe the truth, stand for the truth, so that in all that we do, you are honored. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you would turn again to uh, Habakkuk chapter 2. Um, rapidly moving through here. I have one more chapter to go. <laughs> Any questions before we move on tonight? Uh, I want to try to... Uh, if you've got questions, as I've mentioned before, just write them down or make a note of them, whatever. I mean, you can come to me and ask, or you can wait until we do this. But I want to try to give opportunity periodically uh, just to make sure that, that uh, you know, we're not missing something important. Okay. Nobody? All right. Chapter two, <clears throat> and I want to um, I want to read the same section that we read this morning, except that we're going to go on and read through verse twenty. But uh, I want to go back and uh, well, I'll, I'll do this. Um, well, yeah, I'll just start back in verse four. But we're going to go on through verse twenty this time. One reason I want to do this is because uh, there are actually five. Different woes um, mentioned here. Uh, this this is an oracle of woe against Babylon, uh, the Chaldeans, and uh, he specifically uses that word and, and gives five different woes in this passage. So we, we we pretty much dealt with three of them this morning, but I want to read them again and then move on to the to the next ones. And remember, you've got a contrast here between. Uh, the proud, or you could say the the puffed up, the prideful, and and their way of life, and again specifically uh, what or who is being set forth as an example here is the Chaldeans. And um, if you look at, and we we won't tonight probably, but just just another example of pretty much the same uh, thing, Isaiah 14 describes the fall and destruction of, of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. Um, that passage is, is often cited as probably referring to the fall of Satan. Um, so 
I mention that because I want us to keep that in mind again here, that this is talking about Babylon and, and Babylon's leader, Nebuchadnezzar, but it has wider application. So there's a sense in which it could apply to uh, all of God's enemies, which would include uh, all of the wicked, um, which would include Satan as well, and all of his demons. There is a pronunciation here of doom on the proud. And as we said this morning, pride is at the heart of all sin. It's, it's the essence of all sin. Uh, sin is born out of pride. We, 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 we serve um, one of two gods as we, as we move through this world. We either serve the living God, God of the Bible, or we serve self. All false religion ultimately is boils down to serving self. Uh, they're not, well, certainly they're not all uh, honest about that, but uh, it's it's true. All false religion boils down to serving self. Now, it might surprise you to know, for example, and, and again, you'll have to check this out for yourself, but uh, uh, do a little surfing, but. Uh, on the on the net, but it might surprise you to know the the official Church of Satan is very honest about that because they really don't believe in Satan, and and so their whole thing really is we're all about us, all about me, and they're very honest about that in their confessions. They understand that uh, better than uh, I think sometimes we uh, Christians do sometimes. And, and, and that's, that's, again, the choice. Serve self or serve Satan. So you have the, I mean, or serve God, I'm sorry. Serve self or serve God. So you have that contrast here. In the proud, self-serving, and in the just, verse 4, the just shall live by faith, God-serving, waiting, like, like Habakkuk, waiting on the Lord, trusting His Word, waiting for it to be fulfilled. So just keep that in mind as we move through here. You can apply it to, certainly to the Chaldeans, but also to uh, Satan and his demons, and also to all unbelievers. Verse 4. Behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Indeed, because he transgresses, back to the proud, indeed, because he transgresses by wine, he is a proud man. And he does not stay at home because he enlarges his desires as Sheol. And he is like death and cannot be satisfied. He gathers to himself all nations and heaps up for himself all peoples. Will not all these take up a proverb against him and a taunting riddle against him and say, Woe to him who increases what is not his. How long? And to him who loads himself with many pledges, will not your creditors rise up suddenly? Will they not awaken who oppress you? And you will become their booty. Because you have plundered many nations, all the remnant of the people shall plunder you. Because of men's blood and the violence of the land and the city and of all who dwell in it, Woe to him who covets evil again for his house. 
evil gain for his house, that he may set his nest on high, that he may be delivered from the power of disaster. You give shameful counsel to your house, cutting off many peoples, and sin against your soul. For the stone will cry out from the wall, and the beam from the timbers will answer it. Woe to him who builds a town with bloodshed, who establishes a city by iniquity. Behold, is it not of the Lord of hosts that the peoples labor to feed the fire, and nations weary themselves in vain? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbor, pressing him to your bottle, even to make him drunk, that you may look on his nakedness. You are filled with shame instead of glory. You also drink and be exposed as uncircumcised. That's, that's a command, by the way. I read that a little wrong, but that's a command. You also drink and be exposed as uncircumcised. The cup of the Lord's right hand will be turned against you, and utter shame will be on your glory. For the violence done to Lebanon will cover you, and the plunder of beasts which made them afraid. Because of men's blood, and the violence of the land and the city, and of all who dwell in it, what profit is the image that its maker should carve it? The molded image, a teacher of lies, that the maker of, it, of its mold should trust in it. To make mute idols. Woe to him who says to wood, Awake! To silent stone, arise! It shall teach. Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver. Yet in it there is no breath at all. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Amen. All right, so this morning uh, we looked at uh, essentially verses 4 through 14 and the first um, three woes. And, of course, what you have uh, in each case is, is uh, uh, the woe, you know, woe to him for this, and then a, a pronouncement of judgment, retribution. In verse uh, 6 uh, is the first one, woe to him who increases what is not his. And, again, that's... Uh, uh, specifically referring to the Chaldeans, Chaldeans, they're sweeping across the land, um, victory after victory uh, militarily, and uh, taking spoil from the nations. And they're, in, in doing so, increasing their, their own riches at the expense of others. And he likens them in verse 5 to one who is transgressing by wine. In, in other words, it's, they're intoxicated with power. And uh, it's like uh, uh, someone who's, who's drinking, they, they can't get enough. Or, as he says here, like, like death. He enlarges his desire as hell or Sheol. And he is like death and cannot be satisfied. And then the second one, in verse 9, Woe to him who covets evil gain for his house, uh, that he may set his nest on high. So he's... Again, he's setting up his, his own um, dwelling place at the expense of others, cutting off many peoples, verse 10. Uh, and the reality of it, as we mentioned this morning, is they are forfeiting their own life, uh, and uh, judgment will 
surely come in due time. Again, verse 12, the third woe. Woe to him who builds a town with bloodshed, who establishes a city by iniquity. Again, uh, they're slaughtering of people. The Lord is saying it's, it's, it's going to come back on them. Trouble is headed for them. Uh, their works, in other words, they're, they're spending all of their all of their life, all of their time building, building this kingdom, and in the end, it's all going to be in vain. And this is God's judgment. Verse thirteen: Behold, is it not the Lord of hosts that the peoples labor to feed the fire? And nations weary themselves in vain. So in the end, it's all going to be for naught. Um, and they are forfeiting uh, their, their own life and forfeiting the opportunity of the knowledge of the glory of God. The fourth woe, verse 15. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbor, pressing him to your bottle, even to make him drunk, that you may look on his nakedness. And by the way, this is, this is a very uh, uh, explicit verse. Um, I mean, it's intended, it's intended to have a, uh, a shock value to it um, to show the extent of their, uh, of their uh, ruthlessness and, and how they operated, again, at the expense of others. Uh, let's see here. I want to. I want to give you just a verse fifteen. The ESV uh, renders it this way: "Woe to him who makes his neighbors drink. You pour out your wrath and make them drunk in order to gaze at their nakedness." So it's the idea of forcing them to drink and get drunk so that. You can abuse them. Uh, again, uh, intended to have shock value. And, and uh, from what I understand, it, it was actual, actually a, a, a practice of the uh, Babylonians. But I think here, too, it's mainly being used in the sense, uh, in an uh, analogous sense. In other words, they are, they are raping the nations. For their, for their own gain, for their own pleasure, they are willing to uh, abuse other peoples. And so he says, woe to you for this. In verse 16, you are filled with shame instead of glory. Now, by the way, this, this whole um, oracle is, is, the genre is poetry. That's uh, so why, why some of us, some of you, or maybe all of you, your, your translation, uh, your Bible, uh, the publishers have, have formed it different on the page. I mean, if you, if you go back, for example, and look at, uh, mm, let's say, most of Genesis or maybe something like Leviticus or Numbers, that's all narrative. You know, there's, there's a page from Joshua. That's all narrative, and you can see how the page is laid out. You get over here to Habakkuk, that's all poetry, and so the... the whole layout is different. So there's, I say that just so that you'll know this, there, there are plays on words here and contrasts that are being um, set forth. And it's hard to, uh, at least for me, it's hard to catch them all sometimes. Um, and, but just for example, verse 14, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. He, he pronounces all these woes 
on the wicked and saying, uh, says to them, essentially, uh, in the end, you will find that your life is wasted because you're, you're seeking the wrong thing. Because in the end, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. So the, the earth will be covered, just like the waters cover the sea, the earth will be covered with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. But you, verse 16, are filled with shame instead of glory. You also drink and be exposed as uncircumcised. The cup of the Lord's right hand will be turned against you, and utter shame will be on your glory. So he says, the glory of the Lord, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth. But, verse 16, you are filled with shame instead of glory. And then, again, at the bottom of uh, verse 16, utter shame will be on your glory. So your, your glory will be covered with shame while the earth is covered with the glory of the Lord, or the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Verse 17, for the violence done to Lebanon will cover you. There it is again. Um, verse 14, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. But verse 17, for you, violence will cover you. The violence done to Lebanon will cover you. And uh, it seems to be describing here how they, they literally just uh, wasted the land, not, not just destroying the people. You, you, you probably have noticed, uh, often reading through uh, Scripture, how many times the cedars of Lebanon are mentioned, just for example. Um, and you look here. Well, let's, let's read on down a little bit. Um, again, verse 17. For the violence done to Lebanon will cover you, and the plunder of beasts which have made them afraid, because of men's blood, and the violence of the land and the city, and all who dwell in it. So, in other words, there's been violence committed against uh, the beast, verse 17. Violence committed against men, he says, because of men's bloodshed, and violence of the land uh, and the city. So, it, 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 in fact, Isaiah mentions them, um, again, in Isaiah 14, mentions them uh, failing the cedars of Lebanon. So it, it, it appears that as they moved across conquering, they also just wasted the land. And the Lord is bringing judgment on them for that, saying you're, you're going to be judged for uh, the, the way you've destroyed the land, the way you've destroyed the beast, which, you know, the, the wild animals and, well, and I guess probably tame as well, cattle and animals, and the way you have destroyed men. And, it, and it's all going to come back on you. That violence, while the earth will ultimately be covered with the knowledge of the glory of God like the waters cover the sea, you will be covered with the violence done to Lebanon. The violence you have done will come back on you, is the idea. Verse 18, what profit is the image? Now he moves to a, to a different uh, sin, a different indictment here, uh, this time idolatry. What profit is the image that its makers should carve it, the molded image, a teacher of lies, that the maker of its mold should trust in it to make mute idols? Woe to him 
who says to the wood, Awake! He's describing, you know, uh, idols made of wood or stone. Um, woe to him who says to the wood, Awake! Or woe to him who says to the silent stone, Arise! It shall teach or teach us. Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, yet in it there is no breath at all. So again, he speaks of uh, their wasted life, committed to uh, self-indulgence, self-seeking, self, uh, seeking self-glory, and idolatry, trusting in something or things other than the living God. And he says, to what profit? In other words, your, your life is wasted. This, again, is the, is the idea here. Your, your life is wasted, and in the end, the violence will come back on you, and you'll be covered with shame. You'll be the one exposed and, and shamed. And to what profit? Your idolatry will, will be revealed as foolishness. Um, I want to go to a passage here. I love, I love this uh, <laughs> description of uh, idolatry here. Psalm 115, if you want to turn there. If you don't, that's all right. I'll read it here. Psalm 115. Verse 1. I'm going to read down a few verses here. This is good. Verse 1. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory. Because of your mercy, because of your truth. Um, why should the Gentiles say, so where is their God? But our God is in heaven. Now, this is essentially the same thing that the Lord is going to wind up saying to Habakkuk. The Gentiles say, where, where, is, where is their God? And here the psalmist says, our God is in heaven. He does whatever He pleases. In other words, He's, he's the living God. He's alive. And He's in His dwelling place in the heavens, and He does whatever He wants to do. Now, what about their gods? Verse 4. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk. Nor do they mutter through their throat. Now, he's coming down hard on their idols, isn't he? And if that weren't bad enough, he goes on to say, Those who make them are like them. Dumb. And, and you know, blind. And so on. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. O oh, Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O oh, house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. 
So there, the psalmist talking about the idolatry says, uh, you know, they're just they're just inanimate things. They they similar to Habakkuk here. They they carve them out of wood or out of stone, and they have eyes but they can't see, ears but they can't hear, noses but they can't smell, because they have no life. And so Habakkuk says, to, to what profit then do you make them? You, you waste your life serving gods that can do nothing for you. Nothing. Now, boy, we could apply that, couldn't we, to uh, other types of idolatry in our own day. This type is still around. There are people that still love images and little, well, little statues, big statues, all kinds. Um, some of men, some of animals. But then there are also those who worship things, you know, the works of their hands. I mean, it could be a career or a hobby or whatever, something like that. Anything that we give our heart to give our devotion to, rather than God, uh, is idolatry. And so he's, he's asking the question, to what, to what profit is it? It can't do a thing for you. You say to it, teach us, and it, it can't do it. Or like uh, uh, Elijah, you know, mocking the prophets of Baal. Uh, they were calling on their God, and Elijah was saying, maybe he's asleep. Yell, yell out! Maybe he's gone on vacation, <laughs> and he can't hear you. What good does a false god do you? Whether it's a wooden statue, statue of stone, some uh, pastime or job or something like that that you have a passion for, some relationship with a person even that you give too much devotion to, or whether, as we said earlier, uh, it's just self, because that's really what it ultimately boils down to, isn't it? If our passion is not for the living God, then really the other option is, is that it's for self. Now, that's that's the prophet, by the way. That's the prophet in in making an idol. It's because it it it, it doesn't interfere with your life, and uh, you you can just pretty well decide if you make the god, you can pretty well decide that it, it's whatever you want it to be. You can you can kind of define its character and its power. So again, ultimately, um, if you make the god. You're in control, which means you're God. And there's no profit in serving such a God. But the Lord is in His holy temple. Now, now here's the contrast between gods here. Verse 19, Woe to him who says says to wood, Awake! So he pictures the idolaters saying to their creation... You can imagine that. Awake! It's, it's the idea of, you know, rise up and 
do something for us, save us or provide for us or whatever. And, of course, just like with the prophets of Baal, no response. They say to the silent stone, arise, teach us, and no response. Because it's overlaid with gold and silver, there is no breath at all. You see, he's saying, in other words, it's, it's, it's not living. What profit is the image that its maker should carve it? Because it's not living. It can't do a thing for you. What profit is the idol? It, it can't help you. It's not alive. But here's the contrast. But the Lord is in His holy temple. In other words... He's alive. Remember what the psalmist said? Our God, but our God is in heaven. (laughs) And He does whatever He wills. But the Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before Him. You know what he's saying there, in essence? Be in awe of God, the living God. Not, not something that you created with your hands. Not riches, you know, spoil that you've taken from nations that you were able to overrun. Don't be in awe of your own military power. Be in awe of the living God. That, that's really the message all the way through here. You know, Habakkuk comes to the Lord with these questions. Lord, there's, there's corruption in the land. How do you tolerate it? And the Lord says, look, look at the nations. I'm raising up the Chaldeans. A nation more wicked than you, and they're going to bring judgment. And then Habakkuk comes back and says, Lord, how how can you tolerate that? How can you allow a wicked nation to destroy, devour, swallow up a people more righteous than themselves? And the Lord comes back and says, well, I'm going to bring judgment on them too. He's saying, I'm working this. Verse, verse 13. Behold, is it not of the Lord of hosts? And remember I told you that this morning, uh, that is Lord Sabaoth. It's, it's Lord of the armies. In other words, he's, he's the captain of all captains. Like Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. Well, here he's pictured also as the commander of commanders. He's over his army and his army is over all. So, like Daniel says, he does whatever he pleases in the heavens and among men. Sets over the nations whom he wills, even, even the basis of men. And he raises one king up and brings him down, raises one nation up and brings it down, raises another up. He raised up. The Assyrians prior 
to the Babylonians. And the Babylonians came along and conquered the Assyrians in about 605 B.C. The great city of Nineveh, the capital of Assyria. And Nebuchadnezzar brought it down. Didn't realize he, he was just a tool in the Lord's hand. And he was in awe, you, you go to Daniel and check this out, he was in awe of his own power. Uh, he walked in the palace of Babylon and said, look at what I've done, look what I've built. And when the Lord was finished with the Babylonians, he brought them down. He raised up Cyrus, the second king of Persia. And they took Babylon without a fight, essentially. An amazing story. Dammed up the river Euphrates, marched right in under the wall. It's recorded in Daniel. Remember the story with the handwriting on the wall? That very night, Babylon fell to the Persians. And then God raised up Alexander the Great. And Alexander the Great conquered the Medes and the Persians. And then God raised up the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire reigned for a time. This is, this is what he's saying. He's saying, all of these things I'm orchestrating. Is it not of the Lord that the peoples labor to feed the fire and that nations weary themselves in vain? Habakkuk's saying, Lord, how, how can these things be? And the Lord is saying, look, I'm... I'm working out my plan. So the message is, be in awe of Him. All of these things, this great military power that the Babylons possessed, and these these great uh, military campaigns... They were so successful in and stood, again, in awe of themselves and no doubt in the leadership of Nebuchadnezzar and his father before him. But it was all wasted. Wasted devotion. Wasted effort. Wasted time. Building a kingdom that's just going to crumble. At the hands of another. So, all of this is going on. They're destroying, taking the spoil, worshiping idols, essentially, as we said, worshiping self. That's why, again, it starts out in verse 4. Behold the proud. They're, they're puffed up, serving self, seeking self-glory, seeking self-satisfaction. Behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him because his life is totally misdirected. He's focused on all the wrong things, going after all the wrong things, got the wrong goals, and deceived about what the end is going to be. Sees nothing but glory for self. And the Lord is saying, no, the end of this road is judgment. 
It's death. It's destruction. So, the Lord closes out His Word. And remember, this is, this is Him speaking. This is Yahweh. You see, verse 20, But the Lord, that's the word, the name, Yahweh. And this is Him speaking about Himself. But the Lord is in His holy temple. <laughs> Let all the earth keep silence. All of these things going on in the world and... All of the wrong ideas and the wrong perspectives. Living such a short life that the Bible says is like a vapor. And living it as though we're going to be here forever and as though it's all about us. So, he at the end of his oracle, turns our attention upward. He says, yes, you, you see all that's going on here. And he tells, he's telling Habakkuk, my hand is in it. I'm in perfect control. It's, it's the Lord. Now, look up, what are you saying? Yes, that's what's going on on the earth, but the Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent. And again, there's a, there's a poetic uh, a parallelism here, a contrast here. Because in the, in the previous verse, it's, it's the false idols that are silent, right? The, the idols are created and they're silent. Verse 19, Woe to him who says to wood, Awake and to silent stone. Arise. But in verse 20, it's not the living God who is silent, but all the earth. Let all the earth keep silence before Him. In other words, be in all of him. He's not silent and he's not dead. He's not a piece of wood. He's not a piece of rock. And he's in control of everything going on in this world and as we saw in Zach's class a while ago in, in worlds beyond. We're just one puny little planet in a galaxy in a vast galaxy among many galaxies. We don't know how many. We don't know how many planets, how many stars are out there. And God created it all, is in control of it all, be in all of Him. Of Him. Pray. Pray. <clears throat> for me, for you, that this word has the effect on us that it has on Habakkuk. And we'll deal with that, Lord willing, next time. But it, but it has a profound effect on Habakkuk and how he relates to God.
Let's have a word of prayer and we'll close. Heavenly Father, we, Lord, rejoice that You're the living God. You are God. And Lord, we confess that we don't stand in awe of You as we should. We confess that we have more of a passion for self, if not all the time, at least too often, than we do for You. If we had to draw a line and choose sides and say, now just, just judging by my activity, how I've lived to date up to this point, which, which side, which road would it appear that I'm on? Would I, would I side up with the puffed up, with the proud, self-seeking, self-serving, Self-indulging. Or would I be on the side of those God-seekers who live by faith? Lord, we uh, know that we can, we can only be referred to as the just, the righteous, because of Your grace. And that's reason enough right there to stand in awe of You. So we pray, Lord, as we uh, continue in this world. We could be here five more minutes. Could be here another 20, 30, 40, 50 years. May our passion for You, as long as we're here, may our passion for You increase. May our all of You increase. Because truly, You are the living God. We ask these things and give You thanks. In Jesus' name, Amen. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80. Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.